you so much, Anna, for joining me. I know we spoke quite some time back, but thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today and to talk about your book and what it is that you do, and then also how you use microdosing to to help with your depressive episodes. So to kick things off, I just want to say, introduce you, you know, you're an author, a life coach, and a speaker. What made you decide to pursue these careers in the first place? Great question. I'm so honored to be here and it's been a long time coming and so the uh, excitement's been building up and I'm just like, you know, ready to burst. Uh, So what um, led me to pursue my career as a speaker and coach? I suppose for a long time, I always wished, I don't know if you can relate to this, Nikki, but I always wished like I knew what I wanted to do when I was younger. I wish I had that like light bulb moment where I was like, just knew I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer, you know, and I never got that. And so I went in a very wide career with lots of different jobs and all sorts of things. And so I was like, not quite in any one place. But the one thing that I recognized that kind of stuck with me that I loved was the personal development space and studying other human behavior specialist things. So I kind of have a dual path. On the one side, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I would like start businesses. Some of them did well, some of them didn't. And then on the parallel side, I studied all things, you know, meditation, human behavior, quantum physics, Um, personal development, some more like harder sciences, some more like softer sciences. And and so um, I kind of saw that that was like a thread to that. And then I kind of started having friends. The The more events I went to, I started having friends who were speakers and coaches. And I was like, oh, this seems like a cool lifestyle, you know, like, tell me more. Like, how do you do this? (laughs) How do you get on stage? How do you write books? How do you become an authority in your field? And so I started just learning from people who had already been there and done that. So I'm like, I truly believe in mentorship and masterminds. I wouldn't be here where I am today without those. And I was actually quite bold. I I just asked people like, hey, will, will you mentor me? And sometimes it didn't work out. And sometimes it did and like I'd learn what I came to learn kind of thing and sometimes that relationship would end and then I'd find someone else so I kind of forged my way in a a sense of like hanging out with and attaching myself to people in groups where that that were inspiring me and that said like you know this seems really cool as opposed to I once um, was in a business environment where (laughs) there was there was one director who um we had this like one event where we had to describe Monday and if Monday was a color what color would it be and he was like black and I was like holy shit I do not want to be in a space where like the directors or some of my close mentors were like considered Monday to be the color black and was so depressive I was like that's not how I want to live so by trial and error figured out what I liked and then what I didn't like, so I didn't like the idea of Monday being black or depressive, something to avoid or not like. Um, and I wanted something that allowed me to travel and um, and have like a really varied, because I'm a type of person that gets bored easily. So I needed something with lots of variety and like where there's no um, glass ceiling where anything's like possible. And so, so yeah, that's a bit of my story. 
I resonate so much with you about not knowing what you want to do. Maybe it's the Ukrainian spirit. I don't know. Your parents entrepreneurs as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's that because you see them doing these things and you're like, well, I could be anything too. And then everything becomes possible. <laughs> and then also just wanting to jet set and travel and meet people. It's always so lovely. Um, I, I resonate with you on that as well. And I know that you've written two books about business and then one is a sort of a self-help book. What are your two yeah. business books about? So the business book um, called The Business Tango is uh, about entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how to be like if you have that entrepreneurial spirit, like how to thrive as an entrepreneur. So in being an entrepreneur, you have like resources, you have people, you have like so many different cool things. And so there's like, um, you know, really amazing ways that you can like apply yourself as an entrepreneurial type person within the companies too. And that came about from just interviewing a lot of people. So at the time I was in my early to mid twenties when I wrote that book and I didn't have a lot of like belief in myself or like my branding and like, I was still trying to like prove myself in the world and, and things like that. And so part of that was I, I met so many cool people when I was like, um, interviewing people for my book and some of them are like really good friends and mentors like to this day kind of thing I highly recommend it as a as an exercise and so yeah the motivation there was a little bit different it was a little bit more commercial like starting to put myself out there as a brand and what am I uh, an authority on and at the time I had like a few thousand people work for me. So I had experience in entrepreneurship and hiring people. And then the second book was a little bit more personal. So there's no interviews in there. And um, it's my personal account. Um, it's how it's my story of how I never ever thought I would be the type of person who would be depressed or would have a depressive episode, how I struggled to even come to terms with that. I was in denial for a long time of like, no, I don't have anything to be depressed about. Like, what is this? You know, I felt very guilty. I felt a lot of shame about it. I didn't know what was going on. Like nobody taught me that this was like something that can happen to you. You know, um, I decided to do it a non, like the non-medical way. So mm -hmm. it's very much like spiritually focused, personal development focused um, and the alternative way. Cause I know for some people, going the medical route does work and I'm glad that works for them and, and that's phenomenal but for people who are curious in other ways um, that have been successful for me and some people that I know who have applied it that's what kind of like I share in the book and what gave you the courage to write about this in the first place I know the book I've read it myself the mystery and magic of depression which was so enlightening because it's such a contentious topic it's really hard to talk about and people always kind of want to tiptoe around it so what gave you the courage to just write about it and from your personal experience for a long time I didn't have the courage to even talk about it because I was like with people I was afraid that I was going to lose all my clients like do clients want a depressed coach like <laughs> you know like if people really knew what was going on behind the scenes um, it did take a long time for me to just own it and go and like this is part of my human experience and and um and not shy away from it and not try to portray one side of like i'm always inspired and inspiring and motivating so yeah owning that shadow side of myself took some time 
you know, we talk about language, we'll talk about plant medicines as well. Um, and one of the steps is actually, you know, mining the gold. Like, you know, when you go through tough times, one of the things that helps you to the other side is then using it as a gift. And so one morning, I was like tossing and turning, could be like, you know, struggling to get out of bed. And then it just like this light bulb switched on where it was like, you know what, this is what I wish people would know about me. Mm-hmm. This is I wish, this is how I wish, um, this is the book that I wish I had, you know, six or 12 months ago. And yeah. um, this is what it, like, I want my friends to know about what's going on. Or if they have friends and we were struggling, then maybe it will enlighten, you know, their kind of like journey a little bit as well. And sometimes it feels like just have these like explosions and these mm-hmm. quarries. And if you just like leave it open, and it's like a pile of dirt and you're like, oh, well, it's dirt, right? But if you go back and then look for the gold and the gold nuggets from those experiences, because like one of my core beliefs is that it's always here, whatever experience we have is here for our expansion. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, what became more important, Nikki, was um, my selfishness of not sharing became less important than the importance of giving other people tools that I had learned. So I had like, I had to become less selfish, to be honest. Wow. That's so powerful. Like sitting here listening and letting it soak in. I'm just like, wow. You know, you kind of stepped outside of your skin to look back and think, you know, if you were in that position, what would you want to hear? And you also touched on about plant medicines just now and also in your book. So I know that um, you mentioned the use of microdosing to help combat the depressive episodes. How did you discover about microdosing and what does microdosing mean exactly? There is a resurgence of psychedelics as medicine. It is um, very, it is something to be really, really like revered and respected. So I think I want to lead with that. I, I hadn't really touched much um, mind-altering substances before I got into plant medicine, really. Um, and I know there's like times and places for it to be more of a recreational play, uh, thing, but I'm, I like to focus on it being more medicinal. And so how it started for me is I met communities, I had no idea about this world. Like this world was completely in the dark for me. It all started with a curiosity and was actually a curiosity to help someone else. Um, and a curiosity with, it started with ayahuasca. And at these um, ayahuasca retreats, then you get to talk to people who have so much more experience. They've been doing it for 10 years. It's kind of like, you know, following the, the breadcrumbs a little bit. And once you like open the door a little bit, um, like the whole universe starts to open. You're like, oh my God, this is Canyon. <laughs> But also be careful, um, you know, it's like, like I said, to be treated with reverence and um, to be also really careful with the resurgence. There's a lot of like um, misinformation. I know misinformation is just like such a hot word these days. <laughs> Everything is like misinformation. But with media um, and a- what people can do with fake media, it's always, there's always going to be so much misinformation. And I think that's something that we can't escape. Mm. Yeah, so in terms of like being careful about like charlatans and where you get your information, make sure that 
properly trained that obviously where you get the medicine is um sourced you know all my ayahuasca ceremonies and retreats have been here so like i know quite a lot of people and so once you hear from several people that this person is good you know you can start then like trusting Mm -hmm. that source it just started with a curiosity um it started with um just also feeling that the traditional narrative Mm -hmm. of doctors and and western medicines wasn't sitting i have a huge respect for western medicine i mean there's a time and place for everything but there's also there's like a bigger you know there's like the amazonian medicines that have been around for thousands of years and there is like you know healers and teachers about these things and so i like i couldn't dismiss it anymore i was like well there must be something to it and it's not for everyone um, I'm, I truly believe that when you're ready, the medicine will resonate with you and you'll meet someone or you'll talk to someone or you'll read a blog or you'll listen to a podcast about it or, you know, like something will start to, you'll like start following the, thre- the, the, the thread and, um, and see, you know, what works for you. I do believe that like less is more, um, especially with microdosing. So microdosing doesn't have to be microdosing psilocybin um, or magic mushrooms or, or psychedelic mushrooms doesn't have to be just for depression. It does help for depression in my case. And there are studies that say this, so I'm not the only one. Um, it is a slower process. So it takes about eight to 12 weeks to really rewire your brain because there's no like immediate like oh I was sad now I'm happy like that does, that's not how it works like Which, what happens <laughs> which I wish right no um it rewires your brain in the background as you're like you know you're going about your day-to-day and you're being productive you're not like supposed to be out of it or anything like that like you're supposed to be productive being able to do your day-to-day which is different to like a macro dose, which is where mm-hmm. you can go on like a psilocybin also journey. Third quest. <laughs> there we go. Microdosing isn't meant to give you a psychedelic experience. Um, it's meant to, in the background, um, I think what it does, and I don't have any scientific proof of this. Um, so I, this is just me observing it. Um, I think what it does is it brings you closer to nature. And when we come closer to our childlike nature, and then we come closer to the nature that's on the outside, um, we start to heal internally, you know? It's also important to take breaks between, like, you're not constantly on it kind of thing, because you um, want your brain to also, like, you know, set in reality and like build solid foundations and and i also talk about like fortifying the microdosing experience with like a strong morning practice and journaling and meditation and physical workouts and so it's not just like oh, i'm going to pop this pill and everything is going to be dandy it's like also being committed it's, i call it committed to the light you can do it without microdosing it's like you know people have done it with meditation alone i just feel that it would it takes much longer um and that's fine like and i'm just grateful that we are on a planet that we have these tools but when you have such beautiful tools that are from nature available to us like i just question like why you know why wouldn't we use it you know it like sort of unlocks walls that our you know conscious mind puts in place kind of thing so that 
then you can start kind of seeing more into yourself. So then you can kind of come out of the darkness because I know, you know, when a lot of us, uh, most of us always have this, um, you know, Jiminy Cricket on our shoulder. That's our conscious that always kind of talks down to us. So do you think it kind of silences that Jiminy Cricket and allows us to sort of explore more within ourselves? Sometimes, especially if you take the wrong dosage, it could amplify the voice, you know, like, and then make you like confront it, you know, maybe it's not about silencing it. Maybe it's about amplifying it and then leaning into it. So for different people, it's going to do different things, but I do trust the intelligence of plants. So that's why I'm talking about it. Um, even when I was writing the book, I was like, what if people know this about me? Like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that because like, what if people like have labels and judgments, but I'm like, this shit saved my life. Like, why wouldn't I share it? And with the microdosing, is it just like a tonic, like a tea that you drink every day for eight weeks, eight to 12 weeks? How does it work exactly? Yeah, so it's usually pulverized mushroom in a cap. So um, so it's measured as um, 0.1 or 0.2 grams. Now, like different parts of a mushroom will have different strengths of the psychedelic mind-altering psilocybin effects, right? So this is where it's important to know where you get it from, that 0.1 to 0.2 grams is um, generally considered a microdose. Generally, it also depends on your sensitivity to plant medicine. Yeah, treating yourself as that that kind of ex, uh, experiment, you know. One side in terms of like dangers of like overdosing are like unheard of, but with like things like psychosis and mental health things, like I do recommend like caution of on that side people that I get from are really well like very knowledgeable so I trust their guidance kind of thing so ideally that or if you have a friend who knows what they're doing your sources of information should be like good (laughs) (laughs) and you say that you know you can still function normally in the day like carry on still work and it just sort of does its own little thing in the back of the mind to give you a brief breakdown, and I'm not the, like, I have to also say, like, I'm not the mushroom expert. I just know this on me and also what I've studied. On a microdose, you should be able to function 100%. Um, working out, working, there should not be like a, a like too much of a, you should not notice that you're like on anything, <laughs> you know? Um, then when people want more of a creativity hack or like a flow state, then they up the dosage a little bit to something that's called a um, mini dose. So you actually have like nano dose, which is smaller than a microdose. You have a microdose and microdosing is just like, you know, people use it. I even have heard people use the word microdosing for mini dosing and museum dosing. So like, yeah, it's like, (laughs) that sounds wild. (laughs) Yeah. So, so sometimes, you know, people use it for like, creativity whether it's writing or painting or music um or dance or whatever like you know and that does give you a bit of a, a kick or a bit of an altered state it's like 
cannabis, you know, it's not like cannabis, but in terms of giving you an altered perception. So nano, micro, mini, then um, museum dose and macro dose. So museum dose is where you can still function. You could go to a museum for the whole idea is like, you could like go into nature or go to museum. And everything is like, you know, you, but you, you can still walk. You shouldn't drive. <laughs> you shouldn't drive past. <laughs> just or bolt or whatever it is. Just don't, don't get behind the wheel. Like with bigger doses, like um, even mini doses and um, museum doses and definitely ma macro doses, which is like a ceremonial dose, which you do want a sitter if you're not experienced. Not recommended for everyone. I do believe when the plant, she'll call you, you know, she resonates with some people. And uh, some people are like a hard no. And I also understand that. And, um, you know, we had, I've had an, a discussion with people like at the retreats and some people were like, everyone should experience this. And I'm like, everyone definitely should not experience this. This yeah. is, it can be quite, and, and with the right shamans and facilitators, they are quite strict with who they let um, into the ceremony space. Coming back to the book, The Mystery and Magic of Depression, um, there's, you know, kind of probably more of us that realize who have loved ones who suffer with depressive episodes. And in your book, you did give some practical tips on, you know, how we can help or assist or communicate with. But what would be sort of your top tips on like speaking or helping someone who's going through a depressive episode? Great question. That was actually the first inspiration for the book. So when you write a book, you know that um, books have a life of their own. So you might think you have an idea of how it's going to end up and then you start writing it and creating it. And then it's like, oh, okay, this is what it turned out to be. So actually my very first premise and inspiration for Mystery and Magic of Depression was how to help someone else out of depression. Because I was like, oh, you know, if my friends just knew this and would ask me these questions or would help me this way, I, that would be amazing. And so um, it's one, it's creating a, a safe space for someone to feel loved and seen and like meet them where they're at. It's part of the human condition because people feel so guilty and shame ashamed about it and also like just not safe in their experience of depression because it's like I'm it's not supposed to be here like that's a that's a thought that I had going through my head and looping through my head often helping someone feel safe and also like just acknowledging it like sometimes I just wish people would be like in a in a safe and nurturing way, go like, hey, I noticed you're sleeping much more than you than usual. You're like not not your chirpy self, or you know, or you're not making appointments um on time like you used to do, you know, like is there anything that's that's shifted or you know, and just like that mm -hmm. safe and nurturing space. It's it's about like a lot of the help that we try to give people ends up being projections so like this is what I would do you know versus asking someone like you know what do you need right now I need to meditate for half an hour and if someone even if they were on the other side of the world would just sit and meditate with me for half an hour where what would happen is friends would like say like oh like come out for a drink or you know and like a drink would be like the last thing that I needed so what I needed 
was like more like you know going for a walk going like sitting down for a meditation and so, like working to or co-working together and so really holding the space long enough for someone to feel safe like you know and and so like really being present with someone else's needs mm. is um is really really powerful and and what yeah so the inspiration of my book at first was just the question is like Anna what do you need right now and a question that I ask everyone who comes on is, what does feminine leadership mean to you? I think I'm not for feminine or masculine leadership. I'm for balanced leadership. Mm. Um, when we have, like, in one of the companies that I used to work in, we had a director and he, he always said like, you know, women make the best leaders and the best managers. And, you know, because maybe they are more empathetic or they, you know, and that's again, a blanket statement. It's not true for everybody, but like, you know, that was his experience. But I do think that the future is to balance the masculine and feminine leadership and not like overturn the masculine with the feminine leadership, if that makes sense. And yeah. each one of us has you know, fem feminine and masculine side. I don't know how else to... What no, else I to completely share. agree with you. I think uh, I, I agree it has to be a balance because we've seen once it's tipped one side of the scale, it, it the world is thrown out. And now I think as more feminine leaders are coming into power, some countries are starting to balance out. We've seen how they've started to turn around themselves around. And I think a lot of other countries are looking to them and starting to take some notes about that kind of feminine leadership aspects as well. So I think it's just a matter of balancing it out and then eventually taking masculine and feminine out of the leadership phrase altogether and just calling it leadership for what it is. Yeah, I do believe like in terms of, you know, um, like I said, a lot of the hurt that we have seen has been more like towards masculine hurt and masculine abuse of power. And the way to heal that um, is not to fight it, is actually to love it. I love that. That's beautiful. That makes a lot of sense as well. And I just want to move us to the next segment, which I like to call the ABCs of your career. So starting with A, what was your amazing affluent aha moment of your career journey my amazing affluent aha moment is that what you asked <laughs> yes <laughs> alliteration is everything <laughs> okay well I grew up in a very um like I thought I had to be like focused on business and it was very um driven by that kind of and um, reaching for goals and milestones and things like that and I was like a, a closeted spiritual person and closeted hippie <laughs> in a sense and um didn't really give myself that permission to have both sides have my very spiritual side and then also have like a very strong like practical business mind as well and so for the i thought that the world valued me more if i was more um business focused and then it took some time that aha moment was like wait a minute i'm allowed to be both and so really allowing myself to marry those two worlds and giving myself permission to be my full self um was one of the biggest aha moments and then the second one 
was, um, and, and it wasn't one, it was like many, many aha moments where I kept on putting myself into scenarios and situations where I had to trust the unknown. And the more I trusted unknown and I, I could let go of my need for certainty, the more like opportunities opened up and like people and, and all sorts of things. So it was like that practice of trust over and over and over again. And I feel like as a kid, or as kids, we trust a lot. We trust that our next meal is going to be there. We trust that our ass is going to be wiped. We trust that someone's going to hold us and love us. <laughs> um, and then we unlearn to trust. And so it's coming back to that essence of like trusting the unknown, trusting the universe, uh, trusting for the path to unfold, instead of like holding on to like what I know and the certainties, because that limits you and that limits you in terms of like what's possible for you. And B, what was a business blunder turned to blessing? When I ran out of money and our export business so we had an export business where we were exporting wine from south africa into ghana and zimbabwe and basically that was led to a meeting with a potential investor which then led to my next business which was in security like that was that was a huge huge blessing so yeah running out of money sometimes is is great it makes you resourceful and see what was a comical cinematic worthy cock-up moment wow (laughs) comical all about normalizing failure on this platform so i just i want to talk about their failures and to become comfortable with it it's a part of life (laughs) comical 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 Right after university i worked on yachts for for a bit and the way that I got fired twice from that industry was quite comical and it was a clear sign that I wasn't meant to be in that industry um so that was quite comical once yeah it was complete cock up in terms like I was just completely unprofessional and it was so out of character what I'd done I got like drunk on shift which is like a black mark next to your name. Like I couldn't believe that I did it, but it was like an exit strategy. Like my soul was just like screaming, like get the fuck out of here. Um, and I have every love and respect for that industry because it gave me so much, but it was also like time for me to move on. And then the second time where I got fired for being completely incompetent <laughs> because I had um, like overreached in a sense because I was very young I'd never been in a leadership position but went for the chief stew position and by hook or by crook like I got it but I had no idea what I was doing and so I had like tons of problems and you know six months later got let go again from the industry so I was like oh should probably probably look at doing something else so (laughs) I I think that was quite comical yeah all worked out so that's great (laughs) yep it always does now i want to bring us to the quick fire round so just answer off the top of your head i'm going to ask you a couple of questions and then yeah that'll bring us to a close of the interview so one are you a morning person or an evening person morning person if you could live in any book which one would it be alice in wonderland (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Going off the theme of when we talked about plant medicine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, to me. <laughs> and three people that you would have over for a dinner party, dead or alive. Um, Maya Angelou, um, Elon Musk, Beyonce. A very interesting table indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received uh, don't quit your job <laughs> like or like you're, you're crazy for quitting this business and what is the best piece of advice you've ever received it was probably flirt with life that's very interesting Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anna, for taking the time to sit and talk with me today. I've learned a lot about plant medicine. And thank you so much for also giving access to your book, Mystery on Magic of Depression. Uh, what is the website again so that people can go and have access to the book? Mysteryandmagicof.com or um, just follow in, the, in my bio on Instagram at Anna Shalina. Um, there's a link to the book there. Awesome. Thanks so much again, Anna. And yeah, I'll be in touch with you soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Nikki. This is so fun.